Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is about plastic. And there's a type of plastic called PET, or polyethylene terephthalate. And it's a widely used plastic in polyester clothing, disposable bottles, and it tends to survive in landfills. But in 2016, in Japan, scientists identified a new species of bacteria whose name is Ideonella sakaiensis, which I probably said wrong because honestly, I've only read about this, uh, which has a specialized enzyme that can naturally break down that kind of plastic. So now there's an international team of researchers studying the enzyme structure, and they created a new upgraded variant that's even more efficient at eating plastic. They use something called X-ray crystallography to examine how the enzyme works how it breaks down plastic, they genetically tweaked the enzyme to create small variations in the structure, and they tested those, and what they found was that we can make an enzyme that works even better than the one that evolved. And the original version and the mutated versions break down PET and another kind of bio-based plastic called PEF. And so I'm probably hopeful, though, with a little bit more engineering, we'll be able to seed our landfills. It's time that we take control as a species, or at least acknowledge that we have a huge impact on the bacterial balance of the entire planet. What's in our soil, what's on our skin, what's in our guts, what's in our homes, and what's in our landfills. And by consciously putting the right bacteria in the right places at the right time, we are going to revolutionize our ability to make the world an amazing place. It's amazing to have the opportunity to sit down with Nick Foles, and I'm grateful for all the love he gives to Bulletproof. As you'll discover in this episode, Nick's a big fan of Bulletproof products, including some of the new supplements. And because it's awesome, I'm sharing a limited time offer with you. You can use code NICK15 at checkout to get 15% off all supplements for the first 400 listeners. Enjoy. Today's episode of Bulletproof Radio is really incredible. It's with none other than Nick Foles, the Super Bowl MVP from the Eagles. And Nick is one of the most humble, performance-focused, amazing people I've had the opportunity to interview. I spent time with him in person, but in this episode, you'll hear about his mindset, how he includes a spiritual practice and food and all of the other things he does, his approach to failure. You'll hear about how he pretty much got burned out and was thinking about leaving the game and how he stayed motivated, what he does to just build this incredible resilience. And you also hear about something called POTS uh, that his wife Tori is dealing with, which is a really common problem, much more common than people know about. And we go into some details about what happens if your blood pressure suddenly fluctuates and drops during the day so your brain has no oxygen. So it's just a fascinating real person look inside what Nick thinks about. It's one of the most real interviews that you'll ever hear on Bulletproof Radio, and it is awesome. Today's guest is someone I met uh, at Bulletproof Labs in Santa Monica for the first time, and uh, someone who's pretty well known. And I, I just found him to be a, a fantastic human being with this amazing attitude and a pretty high level of accomplishment, because I'm talking about Nick Foles, the 29-year-old quarterback for NFL Philadelphia Eagles, in January of this year, he led the Eagles to an NFC championship in their first Super Bowl appearance since 2005. And then he led them to their first ever Super Bowl championship win in franchise history since the team was founded in 1933 and was named game MVP. 
which is pretty amazing because he did it from a backup position after the team's starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, got injured in December. And one of the things that's really cool is a lot of people were skeptical and thought basically the Eagles were shot for the season, but Nick proved everybody wrong and just has this amazing willpower, uh, faith, and steady confidence. Uh, so when I sat down with him, it was actually uh, my wife, Lana, and I sat down with Nick and his wife, Tori, and we talked about all sorts of cool stuff. And I asked him if he'd come on the show, and he was kind enough to say yes. Uh, so Nick, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Now, I want to talk to you about actually all, all sorts of stuff, but one of the things that stood out to me when we met is we didn't actually talk about football. <laughs> yeah. No, no uh, football talk at all. Exactly. And and probably that may be that I, I can say it's been a long time since I was like a, a super regular Super Bowl uh, or or actually I oftentimes watch the Super Bowl, but I, I don't watch a lot of sports because I'm like reading medical journals. Like I, yeah. I've, I became you know, I, I focus a lot of my time. And other than that, I'm a dad. Right. For sure. But what we talked about was mostly like like recovery and resilience and willpower and leadership and, and things like that. And I want to understand what has motivated you uh, to to just to do what you do? Like, like, why do you? You're basically at this point one of the world's very best at what you do. What motivated you to take the long and and kind of arduous journey to get there? Yeah, I'd say first, most uh, it's my faith. You know, I gave my life to Christ when I was in college, but you know, and that's been the center part of everything, um, whether it's prayer or studying the Word. But then also the people that I love, my family, my loved ones, um, they've been there all along my journey, everyone has a story. And that's something that we've talked about is, you know, the story, the journey, really just going through the ups and downs. And I think so many times when bad things happen or tough times happen in life, we sort of, you know, people can tend to get defeated and it's hard to get back up. And um, I've always had a great support system there to, you know, help me through those times. And through each time I learned a lot about myself and uh, got stronger with them. And uh, it's crazy to be here talking to you uh, being a part of a team that won the Super Bowl, being on this podcast, uh, being on the show. I've, I've listened to it for several years, so I'm honored to be a part of it. Uh, you know, that that just blows me away, Nick. <laughs> like, th- Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was truly astounded uh, when we met, and, and you mentioned that, because uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I like to believe that people who are performing really well use the knowledge in the show, but but you you definitely were doing that. Uh, but I, I'm not convinced that that you know, just biohacking and, and all of that is behind your success because, uh, you know, interviews with, with your parents and all, like, like they've described you as having uncanny natural athleticism. You're actually taller than I am. And you, <laughs> apparently you're, you also kick ass at ultimate Frisbee, but, but like pretty much you, you pick up something and, and like, even the way you move when we met, like, you just like, like, you know, where your body is in space all yeah. the time. And is that just hard training or is that just like you were born with this? Like, I like to move kind of thing. You know, I think it was just, uh, I, I was born to just be active, um, just as a kid, just playing all the different sports, being out and outside, just doing things. Uh, I w- wasn't good at everything, but I just kept playing, kept having fun, kept working on my craft, was able to have great coaches along the way. Um, but the most part about, the greatest part about it was just finding the joy in what I do. Having that joy is when you're a kid and you're in the backyard just playing with your buddies. Um, if you can do that, you know, if I can do that in my present state of being 29 years old and in the NFL, you can do a lot of great things. But no, it's just something that I was always active. My my mom and dad, uh, I remember, you know, just to share a little bit, I had some buddies who had like motorized scooters, which they're really cool. Like I always wanted one. I always thought it was cool. My mom would never let me get one. She's like, you're going to rollerblade and you're going to run and you're going to ride your bike. 
She never let me get one. And I can stand here or sit here today and say, thank you, mom, because while they were riding their scooters, which are great, they're a lot of fun. I was continuing to excel with athletic ability while running after them, rollerblading, going off jumps in my rollerblades, uh, bike riding. And I really credit, you know, just being outside and doing that just to excel my athletic ability. And obviously a lot of it's uh, God-given talent. Um, I can't take credit for it, but uh, it's definitely grown throughout the years and still still does grow. You talk a lot about uh, your faith and and almost like like you're doing what you do f- for your family and and for your religion and 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 the things that you stand for. Are you also doing some of it like like because you like to win or or for yourself? Like like what, how do you break down the balance between like like I wanted to do this versus like I'm doing it almost as an act of service? You know, I think that that's probably been the biggest moment in my life is just shifting the perspective of why I do things. You know, a lot of times growing up, like obviously everyone enjoys winning. They enjoy that achievement. They enjoy working hard to win. That's what is sort of intoxicating about like the playing a game. Like you just love to do it. But there's also defeat. There's also playing poorly. There's also dealing with that. And if, if, if your identity is in winning, you're eventually going to struggle. And I see that in a lot of athletes. I see that in a lot of young kids who – you know, they're so stressed out because they're just their coaches aren't giving them credit. Uh, you know, they're they're backups. Um, they're not getting an opportunity and they feel like they have to be validated by being the starter, winning these games. And I've been in that role. I know what that feels like. You're treated on your performance. But, you know, you talk about my faith, you know, my faith in you know, being a Christian. You know, I had to learn by going through a lot of tough times by basically getting down on my knees through shoulder surgery, uh, through going away my freshman year to Michigan State, being away from home, I'm a Texas boy. There's a lot of things that happened to where my perspective changed, you know, a couple years ago when I was going to step away from the game. You know, I I was done playing the game. Uh, I was going to retire. And then now, you know, I decided to come back and play. A lot of that had to do with my family sport and, you know, my faith. But, uh, you know, I step in that huddle and play the game for the love of my teammates, love of my family, love of the city for Philadelphia. And I, I find out that that love that I have gives me a greater strength than I, quite frankly, had for myself. And then it's also humbling myself daily. Um, I don't want pride to set in because there, you know, pride comes before the fall. So I've learned a lot through the years and it keeps me steady. And I, I, I thank you for saying that thing about pride. Um, I can tell you, I have never once said to my kids, I'm proud of you. Not even one time. Because, hey, I'm happy for you. I'm grateful for you. Like, I'm pleased with you. Like, yeah. those are all positive. But when it's a pride, it's like it's about my ego as a dad. And man, I, I don't want to fall into that either. Where did you learn to have ego awareness? My parents were always great role models. Um, you know, just how my my dad didn't graduate high school, you know, came from a tough background, helped raise his brother and his sister's you know, I have a half sister. He had at 18. Um, she's way, she's a lot older than me. She's in her 50s. I'm 29. But he, you know, continued to work in the restaurant business, loved working in the restaurant business. Eventually, you know, he's done very well for himself. You know, my mom, similar to where, you know, her mother passed away when she was 11. Tough childhood, lived overseas. Her stepfather was in uh, the military, ended up, you know, putting herself through college, the University of Texas in three years by, while working a job and having to stay at home. But I, I always knew their story and they were all and I, I got to see them. You know, they were my parents, so they raised me. So that's just sort of what I, they were my role models. And I got to see that firsthand. So uh, that just shows you how important like you're a father. Um, I'm a father. I have a 10 month old daughter. And it just shows you how important a parent is in a child's life. Um, they're always watching you. They're always watching you. Even Lily being 10 months old, she's watching everything I do. She's watching how I treat her mom. 
Uh, she's why she knows if I love her, I, you know, I, I care about other things. So I'm very aware of that because I know my parents impact in my life. Sometimes when parents work on teaching their kids humility, they actually just teach them poor self-confidence. Yeah. Right. And, and you strike me as someone who is actually very well grounded, self-confident and humble, but, but not humble because, you know, you have a voice in your head that says, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a failure. Yeah. <laughs> in your, in, in, in your head, do you have that, that negative voice? That's like, Oh, you know, what, what if I don't win this game? Like, do you have those things or are you just like, so in that, that state of love and, and that state of like service that yeah. it shuts up? That's a great question. And I, I'll say like, I've been there, uh, the first part where, you know, you feel like you put so much pressure on yourself to excel. Like you feel like I have to do this. This is what ex is expected of me. And if I don't do it, I'm a failure. Um, I've been there. I've done that. I've gone through it. Um, I've succeeded and I failed. Um, and it's not a fun place to be because it's every day, you know, you're living or dying with your what you're doing on the playing field. And that's not fun. Like that's not really who you are. That's what you do. So what I learned, you know, and that's just through the years of playing the game, having great role models and going through life's journey. Uh, I realized that I don't want the sport I play to have a hold on me like that. I'm going to go out there and, you know, live each play, live in the moment. But win or lose, I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to love my teammates. I'm going to play for my teammates. And at the end of the day, that's all I can do, no matter the outcome. And uh, it's all about priorities. Uh, my, my priorities, number one, is my faith. Number two is my family. And then my profession number is number three. Um, and it's way down the list. It's football. And some people would say, well, shouldn't playing in the NFL be like number one? And it's like, if that's on a pedestal, you're going to fail and you're going to end up finishing your career and you're going to be so empty inside. It's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be sad. You're eventually going to give into something and it's probably not going to be good. Whereas now going to the facility and playing like my real job starts when I come home and I walk through the doors and I get to be a husband and a father. And that makes it easier to play the game. If I'd have had that level of wisdom when I was 29, like, do you know how much easier my life would have been? <laughs> like, it, it is truly remarkable that anyone understands what you just said, but also that you've you've achieved this uh, while also doing you know, the other things you do. But in in your list, you didn't mention health at all. Like, where do you put maintaining your hardware on that list of of faith and and family and and career? You know, health is something that's so important. I think that that's intertwined in everything you do. And I've learned with my wife uh, getting sick four years ago with POTS. She was diagnosed with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. That really, we were we were both athletes. She was a volleyball player at the University of Arizona. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life. So nutrition's always been an integral part. But a lot of times you're taught the wrong nutrition. You're taught, you know, carbs and sugar. And that, you know, what we know is if it's bad carbs and sugar, it's going to cause a lot of inflammation and issues in your body. Uh, gut health and all that stuff. Um, so health is intertwined because if you feel good, your mental clarity is going to be better. You're going to have more energy throughout the day. You're going to be happier. All that stuff is going to make, you know, you're gonna, your face going to grow. Um, but more so like just being a husband and a father and then going to work, like you're going to be better. Like you're going to be happier. You're going to have more energy. Like it, it's all intertwined. But I also would like to add that, you know, just because you have a health issue, that doesn't mean like something you're a bad person or you're bad like my yeah. wife has it it made us better people we've learned so much through it it's made us grow closer together as a couple and now that we have a child we're grateful to have the opportunity to be parents because we didn't even know if Tori could get pregnant and then we were fortunate to have Lily so it, it almost like humbles you to like a you know a mindset and a heart of just being grateful instead of you know expecting everything being entitled 
it's tough when you're a, a high functioning athlete, right? Uh, like Tori is, and then all of a sudden like something happens. And for people listening who haven't heard of this, it's surprisingly common and massively undiagnosed. But there are people who, uh, when, when they stand up or when they get hot or when they exercise, where their body doesn't maintain a blood pressure properly. Yes. So then they get a crash in blood pressure and then their heart starts to race. Uh, which uh, is, is the body attempting to keep enough oxygen in the brain. But but what you get is you start seeing stars. You start uh, feeling extremely tired. You just you just need to lay down. And you need to lay down next you want to sleep, but because gravity will get blood into your head. And I can talk about this because I thought that's how everybody lived. I've had this <laughs> since I was a little kid. I, I used to just think it was normal when I would get out of the car. I'm talking like when I'm five years old. When you get out of the car if you lean your head forward getting out of the car, you're gonna see stars, like when you stand up too fast. So I would, I would stand up and I would like lean forward to get blood into my head because my body did that as well. And through the, the course of you know, becoming bulletproof and uh, addressing sleep and just the core inflammation, all that stuff, I don't, I don't deal with that uh, anymore. But there have been times in my life uh, where I'm like, I have to lay down uh, because like I need to get blood in my head and I, I I see this, I've seen it in coaching clients, I've seen it in so many people out there, and oftentimes like, I don't know what's going on. And the fact that you just mentioned that on, on this show, which has a, a pretty big following, uh, if, if people have those kind of symptoms, you should Google POTS or yeah. uh, poth, uh, postural, postural orthostatic uh, tachycardia syndrome, and we'll put that in the show notes for you. There'll be a blog post about what it is, uh, because uh, if it's going on, it is something that's manageable. Yes, uh, and it starts with autoimmunity. It starts with nutrition, and and in Tori's case, it came on pretty suddenly. I'm I'm guessing from a toxin exposure. Yeah. So the the tough thing about POTS is it's so hard to know exactly how it comes on. Um, it could come from a virus. It could come from a toxin exposure. And I know for us, you know, we were in Portland, Oregon. Tori was working at Nike at the time. You know, we love Portland. Great food scene. You know, we were oh, yeah. active, eating good food, having a great time. And then uh, I went to training camp my second year in the NFL. And then shortly after that, Tori was um, she had a virus. And then shortly after that, she went to like an outdoor concert and she felt really sick and she went home and, you know, it wasn't going away. So she kept going to see doctors. She didn't know what happened. And the doctors kept trying to prescribe her like depression medication and all this other stuff. She went to like five or more doctors and they all said the same thing. Like, oh, you're just depressed. This here, take this medicine. And Tori's like, I'm not depressed. I was a college athlete. I was a volleyball player. I graduated with a business school at Arizona. I've always been happy. I've always been driven. This isn't me. I'm not depressed. Something is wrong with my body. I'm aware of my body and something's wrong. And then eventually she saw a neurologist in California that diagnosed her with POTS. And, you know, from there on, we went to the Mayo Clinic and met with Dr. Goodman, who's a specialist in POTS. And through that, we've been able to meet several amazing people that, you know, either have POTS themselves that we've built built relationships with or people like yourself who have great knowledge of the human body that have helped us along our journey and, you know, helping Tori get back to a hundred percent. But along the journey, I will say that like it, it could, people could look at it and be like, wow, you know, she got sick. Like that's really, you know, that's tough and all, but we approached it from a mindset as we're going to learn from this. We're going to love each other. We're going to yeah. pray about it and we're going to grow each and every day. And that's what we've done. And we're so blessed. Um, we're, you know, even though she deals with it, to this day, she's been able, like you said, to manage symptoms by, you know, a healthy lifestyle, learning, um, always learning. She's always reading literature like you do, like I do, and just gaining that knowledge. Just every little thing you do in life, 
uh, helps. Um, but we've gained a lot of knowledge throughout the years and um, we're going to continue to do so. And we want to continue to create awareness because it's something that I think people, you know, want to listen to doctors, but, you know, not all these people are depressed. So it, just talking about it on the show that has so many viewers, there's probably someone listening that has POTS that is struggling that hopefully they get checked and they get the help they need. One of the most common triggers for POTS uh, in, in my research, my experience is water damaged buildings yeah. and toxic mold exposure. And oftentimes you do that, it takes out your immune system. And then if you have Lyme present, which a lot of people do and they don't know it, then that yes. comes in or you get a virus that wouldn't have, have been able to manifest until that mold thing uh, took over. So a lot of people like, I didn't have this problem. I lived for six weeks in a, in a place that smelled funky and like <laughs> life has never been the, the same since. Yep. Do you think that might have been a part of the, the story for you guys? I think so. Um, we lived in, you know, we were staying in a apartment that was a older, really cute apartment, you know, 700, 800 square feet in Portland, Oregon on, you know, 20, North 23rd, like great area right above a, you know, a coffee shop. And, um, you know, we had a lot of fun, but at the same time, we lived in an area where there was no air conditioning. It was an older place there, you know, Portland, as you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rain. Um, but like where the apartment was situated was in between buildings. So there's no airflow either. So it's stagnant air. And then during the summer, the summer before she got uh, sick, she got sick during the summer, but that summer it was super, super hot to where like in the apartment at night, you know, we're going to sleep. It's like 92 degrees in the apartment. Like you can't, it's so hard to sleep in that oh, when yeah. it's humid too. And we couldn't get a portable air conditioning unit within a 300 mile radius. So we were without it for about a week. Um, we didn't sleep for a few days. And I think all these factors just created an environment to where it just, like you said, it zapped her immune system, it zapped everything. And, uh, you know, something happened. But once again, there's nothing that's been solidified, but we do have our theories. And that's definitely a theory we've kept. That, that's one of them. And the, the whole mold problem is, is something that is part of, of my mission. Uh, my big mission, I want to educate people to show them the tools uh, with Bulletproof. And, and we're disrupting big food to make food that makes people feel good. But in, in my other life, I, I helped to get a company called Homebiotic started that sprays. It makes a, a natural probiotic you spray around your house that mm -hmm. eats mold before it can form. And uh, like that that's a problem affecting 100 million homes yeah. right now. And just no one talks about it. And I... I think that that's as important for making the world a better place as good food. And uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that if that was a part of this, that, that we, we nail it. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that given just the level of inquisitiveness and frankly, the level of faith and determination that you both have, uh, that she'll just continue to improve this. I never would have imagined that I'm sitting here at you know, 45 that I'd be you know, free of the arthritis I'd had in my knees since I was 14 and, and that my brain would work the way it does. So there, there's always like, it kind of doesn't look so good right now, but there's always an opportunity to have this future that's way brighter than, than you imagine at the time, especially when you don't have enough oxygen in your brain. Cause you just, you're like, you just feel like crap and you want to lay down. Oh, absolutely. So, well, you're a walking testimony to everyone out there listening that, you know, they're probably not feeling great, but like, you know, you're someone who, you know, you put your life on hold to gain nutrition and, you know, your wife, Dr. Lana, you know, you're a great team. Um, and, you know, like I said, I've listened to the show many times and it's been a great impact to me, my family. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I share that information. So that's why I, you know, was excited to be on the show and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep your team as well, because it's pretty awesome. Uh, Nick, that that means means more than uh, more than, you know, I, I want to dig more into what. 
what you do because you fly a lot uh, for you know for your profession. You basically beat yourself up. Uh, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but just you know the the training that you go through yeah. is rigorous, and then the games are. <laughs> yeah, you actually are getting beat up in the game, right? So. What what does a resilience practice look like for you? Um, you mentioned a daily uh, prayer, uh, like a, a period of focus, mm-hmm. and you know, looking at, at the greater things out there. Yep, uh, I'm guessing is that that must be a daily practice for you. Yeah, so I think uh, a lot of people are interested in like, all right, you're a professional athlete. What's your routine during the season? And I think it'd be easier just to share that. All right, during the season, I, I wake up, uh, I make my coffee every day, and you know, I, I get into you know, my Bible scripture, I read it, I have devotionals, I read and I I journal. And I started journaling a few years ago. And it was really around the time when I was going to step away from the game, because I was going through so many tough emotions, and they felt trapped. And I've never wanted to journal, I've never thought about it. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start writing. And then I wrote like three pages. And I was like, wow, I had no clue all that was built up in there. But it turned into sort of a conversation and a prayer in my journal. And it just it, it emptied a lot out, but it allowed me to just sort of realign my focus for the day. Now, everyone has their own thing they do, whether it's meditation for me, it's prayer. But then my day starts. I, uh, you know, feed the dog, do all those things, go to the facility. And it starts with service. I make coffee for probably six or seven people every single morning, bulletproof coffee around the facility, you know, the QB room, several coaches. So it was sort of a, something I enjoyed because I got to share that with them. And, it, and they loved it as well, because if I didn't make it one day, they made sure I heard about because they needed it. But it was also wow. an act of service, you know, letting them know that, you know, I wanted to just provide that joy for them. Dude, you're, you're the quarterback and you're making coffee for your team. Like, do you know how humble that is? Like, like, <laughs> well, I, I, I know I know that they're going to feel good and they do feel good. And it's been pretty cool to see that the different teams I've been on sharing it with my teammates um, and coaches, uh, you know, second they try it. It's not that it obviously tastes amazing, but it's how you feel. Um, right before we got on the podcast, I was talking to my buddy, Trent Edwards, who played in the NFL for five years. And he was, he had started drinking Bulletproof coffee probably a month ago, and he wanted more ins and outs. He's reading your book. He's doing all these different oh, wow. things. So um, and I think it's important for people to hear that. You know, we as you get older in the NFL, like I'm 29, when I first was in the, started, I could get away with anything, no matter what I ate, what I drank. Like my body was just young. You could handle it. But then once Tori got – uh, sick. And then just as you get older, your body, you start feeling the hits you've taken, the the toll that playing football takes on your body. But I can honestly say like through making changes with my diet, nutrition, sleep, supplementation, hydration, all these little things, um, using different modalities, uh, I feel great. My body feels great. My brain's working the best it's ever worked in my entire life. Wow. But And I learn something new every day. I always want to learn. Recovery, like we said, you know, I start the day with contrast tubs. I like to get my body going. And then at the end of the day, I, you know, there's cryo, started using the Nano VXO. There's all these different modalities. Um, I have your vibe plate downstairs in my basement. I, I oh, like wow. start. So it gets my body going to start the day. But there's all these different things that I do that I've implemented and I tweak. And it really, you know, and I'm not trying to blow up the podcast, but it, a lot of it started listening to the podcast, taking notes during it. And I would try stuff that people would recommend or you'd recommend. And if it worked for me, I would keep doing it, but I would tweak it to fit me. But there's some stuff that didn't work for my biology. And I would say, okay, but then before long, I had this blueprint of what worked for me. And it just continued to change every day. And it's allowed me as I get older to become, you know, a better player, a better person in all facets. And, you know, I still have a long ways to go, but, you know, it's it's a daily thing I go through. It's interesting that you said a, a better person and a better player. 
Uh, it, it's been my experience that when I when I focus on that that health thing, for lack of a better word, just just on, on how I feel, yeah, uh, that it. It, it has a direct correlation with how good of a person I am. Like whether I'm, I'm going to act like a jerk that day when I don't mean to, or you know, whether I'm going to just like have that that as you describe, like that sense of love for for what I'm doing. Uh, in addition to, you know, I, I guess I, I don't worry as much. You know, can I run as fast as I need to to keep a large person from smashing me? Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, it, it's like. Uh, it, it's something that I think is missing from a lot of the conversation out there. It, it's not just about health. It's about energy, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I talk to you know a lot of actors, they have a kind of a similar life to a, a pro athlete in, in that you know they have to look a certain way and be able to remember things, but they're like always on the road and under bright lights and in weird filming conditions and, and just like pressure. Uh, and you get, you sort of get ground down over, over the course of like a, a season of a, of a TV show or over a season of playing because you, know, you didn't get enough sleep because you were flying somewhere that night and, and things like that. Are there like specific things you do like, oh, wow, I, I, I trained heavy yesterday. I didn't get enough sleep tonight. I wake up feeling like a zombie. I'm feeling cranky. Uh, hey, does that happen? And B, what do you do on those days? I mean, it's definitely going to be days um, where we travel cross country and we get back at 2, 3 a.m. after playing a grueling football game and your body's just going to feel like crap. Like you're probably right. going to be fighting, you know, a sickness coming up. But what I've noticed is, uh, you know, the big thing is the blue blocking glasses, the, oh, really? true, the true dark glasses have been awesome. Um, wearing those, whether I'm on a plane or um, traveling back from a game or when I get back home and I'm reading, um, I, I wear glasses all the time. So they actually have a, a, a filter on them that is just it blocks a lot of the blue light. So I can wear that when I read at night. So that's really been a great thing for me. But also going to sleep early, um, sleep as an athlete. Um, during the season where we're routine, like super routine oriented, my wife and I like know around 830 at night, like it's time to start winding down. We'll usually go and get in bed around 845, 9. And I will read a little bit, um, not much. And then we, the lights are out. And then I have to wake up around 445. Um, and then my routine for the day starts. Before I go to sleep, a lot of times during the week, I take like an Epsom salt bath. I have this routine that just, it's all about getting my body back. Uh, I have these compression Normatec boots that I use while we're watching, you know, we'll watch a TV show at night just to wind down from a crazy day. So I'll do that. I'll do the Nano VXO. That's something I've implemented in the last month, thanks to visiting Bulletproof Labs. You're always looking to better your health nutrition because with winning a Super Bowl and being a part of that team, there's a greater platform. And when I look at that, it's a greater responsibility to help people to create awareness for overall health and nutrition and, you know, how to treat others. And I, you know, to do that, you have to have a lot of energy. Like you travel a lot. I have to travel. So on planes, wearing compression pants, like all these little details, like it helps. You wear you. the full, you wear the full pants on airplanes. Oh, I, I wear, uh, I wear compression recovery tights on, on the airplane. Um, anytime oh. I get on an airplane, I wear them. I even had one, a sleeve for my arm at one time. I don't really do that anymore, but like little things like that, staying hydrated with appropriate water (laughs) using, you know, I drink fat water. We have fat water always stocked in the QB room. The QBs love fat water. I'm truly blown away. And just for people listening, um, this isn't like a paid endorsement situation. Like I, I just, I I met Nick and I'm like, Oh my God, you use some bulletproof stuff. Thank you for, (laughs) thank you for that. Trust me. We, we've, we've, (laughs) I've spent, you know, I've spent a lot of money getting all the bulletproof stuff and y'all have always been, been a great, great friends to me. Uh, but it's been, you know, four, four years probably of, you know, doing this. And when fat water came out and I've introduced it to all my teammates and, uh, it's been awesome to do that. And, I think that 
there's something about sharing that joy of feeling good with others that just is so exciting. Like I, I genuinely share so much of what I've learned, uh, what I do with my teammates, because I want them to feel good too. And if I know that if I help them with that, I'm not trying to keep any secrets. Like if, if this makes you a better player than me, then I'm excited because you're going to become yeah. a better person because you're feeling good. And I don't have any prerogative in that. Like, I just want you to be a better person, feel good every day in and day out and live a healthy lifestyle. I fundamentally believe that when when people have enough energy, they're they're actually wired to be nice and kind to each other, and and, and that's one of the big things that motivates me every day. It's like I, I know if I get people to make a small change, like maybe they're less likely to flip someone off in traffic and all. Do you do you believe that like like that we're actually wired to be kind and nice to each other? Like is that the basic human condition? I think that it starts out that way, but eventually, you know life happens and things happen and, you know, people can sort of revert the other way. I think deep down, everyone wants to be nice and everything and has that kindness in them. But, you know, the world isn't always a nice place. There's not always, there's not always good things in the environment. There's always not, there's not always great people, but I will tell you this, you can find someone who's just not a good person Mm -hmm. and you can sit down and have a conversation and there's going to be a reason why in their life that made them the way they are. And it's probably going to be something that's pretty tragic. That's really sad to you. Yeah. But that's what's made up their DNA and that's all they know. And that can be changed by, you know, the big thing for me is like genuinely loving and caring about people and investing in their life. So if I mentor, you know, when I was at the university of Arizona, um, there was four kids that I mentored on the weekend while their mom was working to provide for them. So they were latchkey kids. It was an opportunity to learn about their life. They're great kids, by the way. And they're you know, now they're teenagers. It's crazy. But <laughs> it was an opportunity to not only share what I did on a daily basis and be their mentor, but to learn from them and their lifestyle and what they had to go through. Because I live, my parents created such a great lifestyle for us to where we could do what we want. And these kids, I got to learn so much about who they are. But I know that was a long-winded way of saying that I think we start out life that way, but eventually the world has a way that corrupts people and hopefully they have people around them that can get them back to that kindness and joy and love for one another. That was, I believe, how we were originally created, but the world has different means. It's definitely true that that trauma and and just lifestyle can can hide that uh, and and sort of break people, but yeah, they they can recover from it. And and the technique that you have or, or that you developed um, it shares a lot in common with with uh, what in Buddhism they call loving kindness or or just a compassion based meditation, uh, and and you've got a um, a Christian practice that is also based on you know compassion and, and forgiveness, right? Uh, which, which is a, a one of the the core teachings uh, when when you dig into uh, into Christianity, and and it it's interesting to me when I look at all these different meditation practices in different faiths. Uh, when you dig right down to the core, there, there's most people they'll, like they'll point to their chest and like there's always <laughs> hey, the, the healthy dog bark. I, I love it. Oh. Uh, we're we're going to leave that one in. Yeah, uh, that one's but, a good one. They always it, it's like it's something that you feel, right? It's not something that you think. For sure. Right. You found a way to cultivate that feeling and to kind of consciously bring it on as you're journaling, as you're praying in the morning. And it and it really works for you. You haven't really said at least not enough that, that I've been able to, to tease it out where you learned that you said in college yeah. that, um, that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, help me understand like, like what happened to you viscerally? Like, like, like what, what changed in the way you felt w- when you committed yourself to a faith? Yeah. So I grew up in a household. My mom's a really strong Christian and I grew up going to church knowing who Jesus is. Um, 
but, and, you know, believing in God. But at the same time, you know, I would go to church and, you know, I was, it was all practicing rules and religion. And quite frankly, I fell asleep. Like it was hard for me to pay attention. I was like, man, I'm going to have to earn my way and do all this. And it was really tough. But then I went to college and I, I had an okay foundation when it came to Christianity, but I didn't realize what giving my life to Christ meant. Until, you know, my senior year of football in high school, I, I tore my shoulder at my labor and three-fourths of the way around and played 12 games with it torn. So it was subluxing in and out probably a couple of times a week. It was really, really painful um, to where I could barely lift my arm up at the end of the season. But we went all the way to the state championship. Unfortunately, we lost. But, you know, it took a toll on my arm. Had to have it entirely repaired. Ended up decommitting from Arizona State. I was committed to play football at Arizona State. The coaches were fired. So there was nowhere, you know, it was late in the process. So it was either going to like Michigan State or Louisiana Lafayette. And I really liked the coaches at Michigan State. Uh, decided to go to Michigan. Um, I'm from Texas. First month I'm there, you know, I had a you know high school girlfriend, broke up. You know, we didn't talk at all really, you know, for the next year or so. That was really tough because you go away from school, they stay home. Then yeah. first month, my, my both my grandmothers passed away. There was so much that happened right at once, basically – I had lost my confidence playing football. My arm wasn't prepared. I was living in a place that there was no other Texas boys. I was really struggling. Like I was really having a tough time. But I always turned back to, you know, I always felt something different. And there was a moment I remember in a parking garage, I was sitting in a truck, my truck, and I just prayed. And I just said, God, I, really, I don't know what's going on. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. Uh, I know this is for a reason, but I'm giving my life to you right now. And it's basically going, bringing me down to my knees. But I realized at that moment what that meant. It wasn't following rules. It wasn't like trying to be perfect. It was basically having a relationship with Jesus. And from then on, I I stayed in the word. There was great mentors along the way. Now I'm in seminary. Like I go to seminary in the off season. I I take it online. Uh, It's had such a huge part of my life. But it's honestly been going through the ups and downs, staying humble that I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it in my daughter. I see it in Tori, her journey. And I wouldn't be here talking to you right now, been able to handle it without Jesus. And that's for me, that's something I share. And it's something that you have to choose for yourself. It's not something you can put on someone. Um, but that's why I go to seminary to have a greater, deeper understanding to where when I talk about it, I'm not talking about it in a forceful way. I'm talking about it in a loving, caring way. And then, you know, ultimately, that's all I can do. So I, I have great respect for that. And I've never really talked about this on, on the show, but I grew up in, uh, I'm just going to call it an anti-religious mm-hmm. household. You know, my, uh, my, my parents, I, I would just call them fallen Catholics. And, and I was <laughs> like, the conversation we just had would have made me profoundly angry at a time yeah, in my life. For sure. I'd, I'd been like, like, who do you think you are? That was all my own ego. And as it is, like some of the most humble, uh, just uh, profound and interesting and, and accomplished people that I know have deep spiritual practices, right? So like, I, I love that you're willing to talk about what works for you, right? And uh, and that experience. And, and so for people listening, I, I, you heard, if you, at least if you were listening to what Nick said, he didn't tell you you have to do what he does. But he's just, just telling you what works for him. And I, I think that that's noteworthy and it's worth paying attention to. Yep. It, and it's that deep commitment to something bigger than yourself uh, that I have found in my own life too is, is just terribly important. Like, like it, it's important. If you're doing it for you, you're not thinking big enough, right? Exactly. That's great. Thanks for thanks for sharing that with uh, with people listening, uh, because I I find that that level of commitment to to anything is it, it takes a certain mindset in order to just say I, I've I've got to do this. And it sounds like you were at just the right place in your life early on. And I think, like you said, that did directly contribute to your success, which is which is awesome. 
you talk a lot about uh, about failure and mm-hmm. some of your uh, some of your your interviews and just some of the things you've talked about. And you remind me a lot of Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. Um, they, they make a different kind of compression tights. You yeah. know? <laughs> I, I, I recognize the phrase Spanx. <laughs> and um, she talks about how her parents, uh, every, every, or I guess her dad every day would say, you know, uh, what did you fail at today? And, and if there wasn't uh, something that she failed at, uh, then the, her dad would say, well, that's too bad. And maybe tomorrow you can do something that's hard enough. And I absolutely took that on years ago with my kids. And every night, three things you're grateful for and something you failed at. And if there's no failure, I'm like, I'm really sad. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. you can push harder. Is that something you're going to do with your kids? Or yeah. with your kid right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, talking, to, I think just being transparent and real is something that is so refreshing to people. And that's something I've learned because as, you know, as an athlete, when we do interviews, you're taught be, you know, you're, you're be politically correct. Don't give them too much. Don't like, don't ruffle any feathers. But what I've, what I've learned through the years is like, I just want to sit there and though the media has their agendas, like I I just want to have a conversation with them. So when it comes to, you know, being a parent, like I want to, I want to learn, I want to listen to my daughter's day. I want to listen to my children's day. And it doesn't all have to be good. Like I, I don't have anything in the house that I don't have any jerseys up. I don't have any awards up. All my stuff's in Texas with my parents, you know, because when our children grow up, they don't need to look and have that what I did or what their mother did to live up to. Like they're their own person. They're going to be made up, you know, with our DNA, but they're going to be so unique. They're going to want to do different things. They're going to fail, but it's going to be, you know, talking through it. I'm going to be transparent with them. I'm not going to Hold, put them on a pedestal and say, you have to be perfect. Like, I'm going to be like, Hey, you know, if they get a bad grade, but Hey, your daddy, you know, your mommy got all good grades, but your daddy wasn't always a great student, but then be able to share with them what I learned about doing well in school and why it's important. But I want to hear those things. I want them to be honest with me because when I speak to people, no matter who you are, I want to try to show you who I am and be honest and genuine, uh, which, which is tough sometimes when you're in crowds and everyone's trying to get autographs and do those things. Like you want to show them who you are. But uh, sometimes it's a lot, but I try to do the best I can do to be genuine all the time. Would you be disappointed if your kid or kids, I I don't know if you guys are done, grew up with just no interest in being athletes? I wouldn't be disappointed one bit. I know that there's a a chance for that. And I think that, and I, I share this to paint a picture of people. When you win the Super Bowl, you hoist the Lombardi Trophy. It's the award, it's the big silver trophy that most people, you know, as their kids, like that's like a huge thing in right. American sports. Um, I had my daughter on stage. I had Lily on stage. And there's going to be a day where I'm going to share with her pictures from that moment. And I'm going to tell her, and I've already know this because the reason I brought her on stage was this. My trophy was in my hands. I'm your father. I got to hold my daughter on stage. The trophy was wonderful. It's a great achievement with the people I love and work with and something I've always thought, you know, as an athlete, you, you seek, but I wasn't fulfilled holding that trophy. I was already fulfilled with my relationship with Christ and getting to be with my wife and daughter. The reason I say that is she might not ever play a sport her entire life, but I just want her to have joy and really enjoy what she does and use her, her talents. You know, I don't want her just to settle and I want her to go out there. I want her to, Make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because you're going to learn from them. I want, you know, I want to, that's why I share all this because someday she's going to Google her daddy. It might not even be Google at that point. 
but I want her to know that Bing, I, you think? Yeah, it, hey, it, could, it could be me. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot, you might start something. I don't know. You might, you might need something crazy, but I want her to know that it's okay to fail. It's okay not to be an athlete. Will she have athletic genes? I mean, her mom's way more athletic than I am. So if she gets her mom's side, we're in business. I'm just going to add a couple of things to it. But uh, ultimately, I just want her to know that her daddy loves her, her mom loves her, and that we're going to be there to support her through no matter what she goes through in her life. And that'll never change. And I think with that, a child can do anything. It's so refreshing uh, that, that you're like ready for your daughter to be whatever she wants to be, right? And, and so many people want their kids to be what they are. And, and your dad's a pretty well-known uh, entrepreneur, uh, restaurant guy in, in Texas, right? Yes. Did you ever feel pressure to be an entrepreneur? You know, what's crazy is I didn't. My dad was a really good athlete growing up, and he always pushed me uh, playing sports. You, you know, he was hard on me as a kid playing sports, but that also made me humble. I would play a basketball game, score 30 points, have 15 rebounds, and I thought I was pretty hot stuff. And he would sort of paint out where I needed to be better. And that was tough hearing that as a kid, but it instilled a characteristic of humbleness in me because I always was seeking to become better. And I was never going to, once I played well, you know, I was always going to stay level-headed. But he never put the pressure on me to be an entrepreneur. But I think because he never did that, I watched him and admired what he did to where I want to do that because I got to watch it. And I got to see the joy my dad had with going to work. Like he loves being in the restaurant business. That's why he did it. He didn't graduate high school. The reason he worked in restaurants, he told me was, you know, Nick, I did all these different jobs and I was always looking at my watch, just trying to make money to get by. But the second I stepped foot in a restaurant and just was there and was working, I never once looked at my watch. And I was like, he's like, that's where I knew my passion lied was being with people, creating restaurants and creating a business that provided a service for other people that they genuinely enjoyed. Um, so I'm, I'm getting involved with restaurants with him now. Um, I have a lot to learn. I mean, he's 71 and he has so much knowledge. I'm 29, but it's really fun to start that process, to be able to start that process of investing with him. Um, but not only that, but learning the business inside and out is pretty cool, especially with your father. So I'm grateful for that. You're also about to come out with a book. I'm, I'm guessing after your, your big win, you got some pressure to write a book. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah. So we're, uh, we're coming out with a book called Believe It you know, my journey through success, failure, and overcoming odds. Doing a book, creating a title, that takes some time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it'll come out at the end of June. It was a, it was a crazy project we're doing with Tyndale Publishing. Um, it's basically, you know, a story of my life going to college. There's some flashbacks to younger life and then my story through the NFL. Um, and then a lot of it, you know, probably, you know, six chapters are probably the journey of this season, which is really awesome. And there's a lot of great stuff. I, I'm as transparent as I possibly can be. And we you know, it's, it's still in the process. I just finished editing the last chapter last night and, you know, we'll go through another editing process before it's published. But what I might add about this book was the really cool part about it is my wife and I are going to give away every cent that we get for this book, whether it's the initial payment or whatever it is, the royalties, um, we're going to give it away. Cause I'm fortunate to, you know, be in the NFL and have a contract in the NFL in our heart to share the story, share our testimony of what God's done in our life. We want to affect the community. So a lot of it, you know, some of it's going to go to helping research with pots. Some of it's going to go to local churches, but it's also going to go to different organizations that do good worldwide or in the community. And that's made the project a lot of fun because it's, you're helping others, you're, you're giving. And there's just something about serving and helping others that provides, gives life so much purpose but that's where to do all those things that have the energy to do that, it you know, it comes right, all right around to like health, nutrition, well-being. 
Um, but it's a really cool project. So we're finishing it up. It'll be ready in about a month or so, and or maybe two. I don't. These days are blending together, and then uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. So uh, I'm learning a lot through it. Send me a, a an early PDF. Uh, oh, so I, oh, you'll so get I can it. Read it before everyone else. And you just got yes. next time you next book you're on, you got to send me one too. I'm gonna make sure it's on air right. now, so you got to do it. <laughs> All right, it's it, it's a deal, and I'm looking forward to reading it. And when it comes out, I'll I'll post it on Facebook, and also people who hear the show. Awesome, thank uh, you, Dave. This episode can find it. Just uh, honestly, there are people who act humble, uh, and there are people who actually are humble, uh, even when they're at great levels of achievement, and. And I've spent just enough time with you to be absolutely certain uh, that you're the real deal. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like, like some people learn, like, this is my public persona. Yeah, for sure. And, and then, you know, they, they go to the bar, toss back a few, and, and you're like, actually, they're kind of an asshole. <laughs> and you're, you're the exact opposite of that in every way. So, like, I, uh, people who, who see a, a celebrity or something like that, there's always a question, like, is it real? And yeah, I, for sure. <laughs> this is as real as it gets, which is why I want to read your book. Thank you, Dave. What's coming up for you next? I mean, yeah, you you have some risk of of you know getting hit in the head a few times uh, given your your career, but you take such good care of yourself that I think you've got resilience there. But no one plays football when they're fifty five, right? Yeah. Where where's your life going to be in twenty years from now? Yeah, that's a crazy thing. Um, you know, you you're always trying to excel in life and do things. And what I've learned the last couple of years is just sort of stretching myself. Uh, I never thought I'd be in the position I am now. I never thought I'd be speaking in front of people, writing a book, being a Super Bowl champ, all these different things. It's very humbling because it just feels undeserving. Um, but, you know, I want to continue my seminary degree. I want to continue learning health and nutrition. You know, Tori and I have been in the talks about starting a foundation that helps other foundations, you know, with our passions and what we do. Uh, working with companies, uh, creating awareness of great companies like yourself, Bulletproof, just I've already done that for years um, in locker rooms, just genuinely helping people, you know, being a parent, you know, we want to have, you know, three, four kids, whatever God blesses us with doing these things. I don't really know. I don't have anything set out in the next 20 years, but I just really know I want to live every day to the fullest, um, be a husband, father, priorities, faith, family, and then whatever I do after that. But I want to make sure I'm doing it with my heart and with joy. And I'm excited about it. I've been fortunate to meet many great people, you know, such as yourself throughout this process. And it's had a great impact on me. And, uh, you know, I just want to keep doing that day in and day out. And then I want to be able to impact people in a positive way and show them that, you know, if they're going through some tough times that, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, there's always something great coming at the end. And, you know, sort of sharing that message with as many people as I can. If someone came to you tomorrow, Nick, and they said, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being. What are the three most important pieces of advice you'd have to offer them? You know what? It's really cool that I'm getting asked this question by you for how many times <laughs> I've heard this on the podcast. And I honestly forgot about it. And today I was in my uh, football meeting. We were installing a play and it came to my mind like Dave's going to ask this question. <laughs> but I want to answer it from my heart. But I did jot down right. a couple of things. Number one, and it's not in any specific order. Um, when you live your life, don't live it to please others. Live it to you know, help and serve and love others. There's a, it's a matter of perspective and heart. And that really changes a lot of things. It creates a lot more purpose in your life because if you're doing it always to please others, you're going to feel pretty empty at times. And that's not a good thing to be. We, I think we're all guilty of it at times, but then when you genuinely have that shift in your heart to love others and serve them genuinely, like there's something so powerful about that. Uh, number two, um, this is something that I try to live by, especially through this last playoff run, going to the Super Bowl, live in the moment. 
Um, a phrase that we've, as athletes, have been told that was shared with us this year was be where your feet are. Um, there's so many external pressures. There's so, so much going on. Technology is great. There's so much great thing that technology can do. But with life right now, there's all these expectations. There's all these things that can create anxiety. Anxiety and stress are such a big thing in our society these days. And I think if you can hone back in and be in the moment, it's going to alleviate a lot of that. Uh, number three, have a yearning to learn. Curiosity is a great thing. I never thought when I finished the University of Arizona and got my degree there that I would ever want to go back to school. Like I was done. But through life's events and through the journey and through everything, like I eventually want to go back and go to school and put myself in school and go to seminary. Uh, my wife just finished an integrative nutrition program out of New York. I probably, I'm probably going to do that program as soon as I can. Uh, reading your books, reading literature, uh, listening to podcasts, listening to blog posts, implementing those in my life, always learning and implementing. You should learn something new every day. And that creates a lot of excitement. I know I got into a lot of detail, but those things have a lot of passion in my life and I wanted to share those. So thank you for allowing me to share those three things. Uh, th thanks for your advice. And you're, uh, you're, you're just a, a real human being, just, a, just at, at every level. And it, it makes me happy to see that, that you know what's, what's powering you and that you've been able to achieve the levels of success and visibility you have and, and just stay, stay true to, to sharing stuff like that. And I'm, I'm actually really interested in reading your book. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because uh, part of what I, I do on Bulletproof Radio is uh, I'll talk to people who are basically the MVP of, of their field of science and no one's ever heard of them, but like they've got something important for, for us to understand about ourselves. And then other times it's like, how do you, how do you win? Like, like how do you do something really big? And, yeah. and, and I think you peeled back the covers really, uh, really effectively here. Like, this is what I think about. This is what I do. And it's, uh, I really hope it's inspiring for people listening uh, to understand, like, like this is what success looks like. And, and it's, it's not holding the trophy, it's holding your daughter. And that's, that's insane and amazing and just great. It's awesome. I, and I might add this. I genuinely, from an athlete's perspective, love listening to all the MVPs of science and the health field and everyone who comes on because it's stuff I don't know. And I love listening. It's so intriguing for me to learn the stuff that's just way beyond my head. But eventually it's explained so well that I can understand it and I can share that with others. So I'm just speaking it from, you know, I don't think people always know that about athletes. Like there's so many people that want to learn and do all these things. And like listening to your podcast has allowed me to listen to people that are amazing individuals that have so much knowledge. And I've been able to like I have a note section in my phone that's like 150 podcasts. And it's uh, really awesome. So anyone who comes on here, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. It's really awesome for all of us. Well, that, that, that's amazing. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Uh, have a beautiful day. And, and thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. If you like today's show, you know what to do. I'm going to ask you to go out there as of June 26 when it drops and actually check out Nick's book. And you didn't ask me to say this. I, I'm just telling you. There's stuff that all of us have to learn from people who think uh, the way the way Nick does, and I, I'm excited uh, to read what he has to write specifically in his book about failure. He even chose to put it in the title, which is a, a risky thing to do for an author. No, no one wants to hear about failure because it reminds them of their own, but it, it's going to be real. So uh, I'm I'm really excited about that. So that's my ask for you if you enjoyed today's episode. You don't have to leave a review of the show, which I always ask you to do. Go out there and read Nick's book because <laughs> I know there's going to be something worth reading in it and it's going to support a good cause anyway.
A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.